0: Let's go, let's go. Le-l. We are learning Le'illy Nishmas, <coughs> my mother, imi marasi Necha Bas Chaim Zedel. And of course, we're learning Le'illy Nishmas, all the Kadoshim that gave their lives to protect us, that those who have died of Kiddush al Kiddush Hashem uh, since October 7th. And of course, we learn for zechus of our Chayalim. They should be victorious very soon to wipe away and to eradicate the evil of Hamas from our midst. Okay, we are on Gimel Amud Bays. We are on 3B. We are six lines from the bottom of the page. We are go- now going to learn a third teaching from Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. It says, First words on the line, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. So, another case, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, he says. If you have a city, a big city, which doesn't have 10 Batlanin, generally Batlanin we think are people that just waste their time, but here these are very important individuals to have 10 Batlanin, who are really free to uh, tend to the community, specifically for things of Kedusha, and Rashi says to make sure that they're in the shuls for Shacharis, for Marev, and they're they're the ones, this group of 10 are, always guarantee that the shchinah will reside in the community so he says any big city doesn't have these 10 people that are really open and free to be able to do kadosh things and we can think about so many things within the jewish community that we, we need a group necessary it can, it can not just be davening for for minyanim but also tending to uh, levayas and, and the like so if you don't have those 10 nidon Kikvar. the truth is that big city it's viewed like a small village so, my kamashlom, the Gemara asks, where does this come to teach us? Tanina, we already learned in a What, Which is considered a big city. Any city that has a that's considered a big city, which kind of means that even if it's a small little place, as long as you have 10 people that are free and open to tend to the kedusha of the community, it's viewed as a big city. But if you have less than 10, it's viewed as a village, a small village. So this seems to already have been a bright So what exactly is Rabbi and Levi teaching us? So what's he teaching us? The truth is, we need k'rach. We need a big k'rach, a big city. The truth is k'rach is bigger than Ir So such a place like a k'rach, it needed to teach us that, that. Even though in such huge cities like a k'rach, a metropolis where there's, where there are many uh, market, the, the markets there, people come to Miklele, Me'alma, people come from outside to come back and forth. Even such a big place like that, as long as it doesn't have 10 Batlani, it's not considered a big city, it's still considered a kfar. Okay, fourth teaching of the Amr, Rabbi Yoshimelevi, Rabbi Levi says, Akrach Shechorav, who lives Sof Yoshav. If you have a big city which was uh, ruined, destroyed, and at the end it was settled once again, it's viewed once again as a big city. Now, it seems like it's talking about uh, a big city which uh, has a wall around it. So the Gemara asks, What exactly does it mean that it was destroyed? What happened? If you want to say that when it says destroyed, it means that its walls were destroyed. So I don't understand. Yashav lo You're going to tell me then that after the destruction, if people dwell in there, then it's viewed once again as a big city. But if they don't lo uh, then it's not considered like a big city, even though the walls were destroyed. But But didn't we learn in a brisa Rabbi Eliezer bar Yose, Omer, Rabbi the son of Yose, says he quotes the pasuk in Vaikra Lamir. This is the next pasuk from the pasuk we quoted at the end of last episode. Vayikra 25.30, it says, Asher lo Choman. if you look at the word lo, you have lamed vav aleph. The truth is, there's a krean ksiv here. It's, uh, it sounds the exact same, but it's written as lamed vav, or it's written as lamed aleph, and it's pronounced as lamed vav. So, it means that it's not, or it is. So, what does this mean? A city which does not have a wall, a city which it, there is a wall to it. And we learn from there, Afal pisha ain lo achshav, even though there's no wall right now, but they had a wall beforehand. That's viewed as a city. Right? Even if the city was uh the city was not walled again. It seems like it still retains its status of being a big city. So it's not really dependent on walls tumbling down or not. What is harab? So Elamai Kharab, what exactly is does it mean that it's destroyed? Shechar of Masarabatalani, that it was destroyed from having these 10 Batalanians. So it's such a fascinating Gemara that we have here where look how we're defining a built-up city and not. It's all about having these 10 individuals that can bring Kedusha to the city. Nothing to do with big walls or or, or destroyed walls or not. Okay. Fifth teaching. Now we're on Dalat Alif 4a. Rabbi Shuman Levi says, Lod ve'ono ve'gei ha'charashim mu'kafos chama ve'yomas Yahshua bin nun havu. Okay, so you have these four places: you have Lod, Ono, Ge, and Hacharashim, or it could be Geharcharashim. These places, these cities, which were of in the in the um, area of Binyamin. So it says They were they were already Havu, right? They were already surrounded by walls at the times of Yoshua Benun, which means they were surrounded by walls at the time that we entered into Eretz Yisrael. So the Gemara asks, Vihani Yoshua Banhe, Viha Il El Paal bin Wait a second, you're telling us that Yahshua was one who built these cities? It was the time of Yahshua. Wasn't it El Paal who built these cities? Dihsiv, as it writes in Divra Hayamim Aleph Ches Yud Bays, It's written Divra Hayamim Aleph chapter eight, verse twelve. It says, Uvane El Paal Avar Umisham Vishamar. So the children of El Pa'al Avar Misham and Shamar, as Ono They built Ono and Lud and its uh, surrounding buildings, or its a uh, city. So it sounds like the children of El-Pa'al built these cities, and we said that it was Yoshua binun. And the Gemara asks further, Ula Tamech, and according to your reasoning about now that we're arguing who built these cities, Asa Asa was the king of Yehuda, but non-hei. Maybe we should say that he built them. Why? That Asa built the cities that were fortified to Yehuda. So it sounds like maybe he was the one who built these cities. And by the way, that pasuk is in Bet Yudalid, Hey. 14.5. So, what's going on here? Who really built these cities? Amr, Abiyah Lazar. So, Abiyah Lazar sounds like this. Hanimu Mukavos chama miyamas yosho Havu. Okay, so they actually were cities. All these were cities that were surrounded in times of yosho benun. Then they were all destroyed. We said these were cities within Binyamin. They were destroyed at times of pilegish begiva, which was a very traumatic moment in the history of Am Yisrael where where all the Shvatim really went against and nixed uh, Shevet Binyamin from really being part of Am Yisrael. And they destroyed all the cities because of a horrific thing that uh, stemmed from the uh, people of uh, the tribe of Binyamin. So they destroyed all those cities at the time of Pilag Begiva Then what happens? For us, uh, el pa'al banan, hey, then El Pa'al comes and he rebuilds them. Then again, they fell, and then Asa, Asa, and then Asa comes along, and he makes repairs, Shabtsinu, he makes repairs on these walls, he brings them back, but you see that it all stemmed from binun and Nun, and also there's, we can infer from the fact that it writes, this is once again, in Dirayamim Hayamim, Bet we have here Yodalit, and this is Pasuk Vav. this time. It says, They said to Yehuda, let's build these cities. From the fact that it says, let's build these Arim, these cities, it means that they were already cities beforehand. We come and learn from here that, yes, that uh, they were initially already there and built at times of Yahshua bin Nun. They just went through a few stages of being destroyed and then being rebuilt again. Now, this is a sixth teaching of Amar, Rabbi Malevi Melevi. Rabbi said, Women are obligated in reading the Megillah, because they were also included in that miracle, right? The decree of Haman and Achashverosh wasn't just to the men, it was to everyone, to the women as well. And yes, the Nase of, of Purim, it saved them as well. So they are obligated to read the Megillah. Now, of course, that's a much bigger sugya, but we're not going to do that right now. Let's continue. The Amr Rabbi Levi, a seventh teaching. Rabbi Shumalevi, he teaches, he taught, he said, Purim shachalios b'shabbis. Purim that fell, falls out on Shabbos. Sh- now, we don't read the Megillah on that on Shabbos. We either, we read it before or depending on if you're, uh, well, the, the, the walled cities. We'll read, of course, on the fifteenth. Anyway, so Purim Shechalios Pes Purim that falls on Shabbos. Shaul and darshan bein Yano Shel You're allowed to ask questions and darshan out on topics of the day of Purim. You're allowed to you're allowed to learn the halachos, really uh, ask the questions. You're allowed to be involved in talking about Purim. So my are Purim. I feel Yom Tov Nami. So the Gemara asks Rabbi Yeshua Why are you just talking about Purim? Isn't it all Yom Tovim should be like this as well? The Tanya is what was taught in Nebrisa. Moshe, Tikon, Lehem, Yisrael, Shusholim, Baddorshim, Binyano, Shalyom, Hilchos, Pesach, Bepesach, Hilchos, Azeres, Azeres, Hilchos, Chag, Bichag. It was already taught that Moshe Rabbeinu, he was Messakain, he instituted to the Jewish people, to Yisrael, that they should be asking and expounding on the topic of the holiday, on Pesach, on Pesach, on Azeres, on Azeres, and on Chag, on Chag. So, Rabbi Yashem Levi, why are you just telling me on Purim you're allowed to learn about Purim? It's all Yom Tovim, you're allowed to learn about the Yontif itself. Why is he singling out Purim? Ah, why? Because Purim, it's tri The truth is we needed Purim. Rabbi Yashem Levi. we needed him to teach specifically Purim. Why? Because Ma'odotema, you might want to say, nigzor Mishum You might want to say that maybe there's a decree as well that we can't even talk and learn about Purim because of Rabbah and what's Rabbah's opinion. It's because of Rabbah that we don't read the Megillah on Shabbos when Purim falls out on Shabbos because lest you might carry for Amos and Rishus Sarabim. So maybe because we have that concern and we're already not reading the Megillah, maybe we'll say also to not even learn about the Megillah and to learn about Purim because that might get you to think about it so much. Maybe you'll start carrying a Megillah. It's like a gazera on a Gezera. It's a It's a... A, a, a twice removed from the initial problem, and we say maybe we we, we should be concerned about that. So Kamashman comes to teach us, Rabbi Malavi, that no, we're not worried about that extension of Rabbah. Yes, granted, we don't read the Megillah on on Shabbos, when Purim falls out on Shabbos, but of course we can learn about Purim on Shabbos when Purim falls out on Shabbos. Okay, wow, number eight. of Rabbi the eighth teaching Rabbi Yishuv Malavi says, Chayiv Adam Likros Es HaMegillah Belaila one is obligated to read the Megillah at night and then which to th- it sounds like, and to repeat it in the day it sounds like it's to read it again. as it says in the pasuk in Tehillim, Chaf Gimel, it says Elokei Ekrayomam velo domiali. To my God, I call out to you in the day, you don't answer me, and at night, and you don't cease from me. Sounds like you're not silent from me. So now, what does that imply? We, we see from here what we're, what uh, the Gemara is doing, and Rabbi Shimon Levi is referring to the fact that this pasuk, this idea of calling out to Hashem, there's something about reading the Megillah, which is a beautiful expression of calling out to Hashem. It's about reading a, a story of uh, believing that Akash Baruch Hu brings Geula. So we call out to Hashem in the daytime; He doesn't answer, and at the nighttime, and then He's not silent. So we see from this pasach, oh, we have a calling out in the day and at the night. Now, what's so unique about this is we know we first read the Megillah at night, and then we repeat it during the day. From this pasach, it's, it's the opposite. It's said we're first learning daytime and then nighttime. It's very interesting. A lot to think about. Okay, but this is one of the proofs that, yeah, there's two times to read the Megillah, this idea of calling out to Hashem both in the day and at night. So then sabar mine so the Talmudim, they thought from this teaching, that we should maybe read the Megillah at night, but, and then And then not to read it again in the day, but rather to learn the Mishnayos of of Megillah in the day, right? Because it had that initial word from Rabbi Shuma Levi, it said to read it at day at night, and then we thought, of course. Sounded right to say because we're familiar that we know we read it in the daytime, so we thought oh, it would mean of course repeat it. But when the when the Talmudim first heard this, they thought maybe Lishnosa means like to learn, Veshinantam like to learn. So maybe you should read it at night and then learn all about it during the day. So that's what they thought, um, and that's maybe what they thought they should be doing. So Amar Luhur Rabbi yirmiya so Rabbi Yirmiyah he says to them he says listen to me it was explained to me from Rabbi Chia Bar that you have to understand this word ulishnosah to mean that could go and for example the like people say da I'm going to go over this parsha once and then I'm going to review it this sounds like shnay mikra right to do it twice. So that's what he's talking about. Read the Megillah twice. Not to read it at night and then learn the Mishnahs in the day, but rather read the Megillah both at night and at day. And it's Marnami, and it was also taught Amar Rabbi Chalbo Amar Ula Bira'a. Rabbi Chalbo said in the name of Ula Bira'a. That a person is obligated to read the Megillah at night and then to repeat it again during the day. Shneamar, as it says, and this is in Tehilim Lamid Yud Gimel. This is in Mizmor Shirchanukasa We read it right before Psuke De It says, in order that I'll sing to you, your honor. Velo I will not be silent, Hashem Elokai, my God. Forever, I will give thanks to you. Now, this is an interesting way of breaking down this pasuk, as Rashi explains. refers to you know, I'll, I'll um, sing out to you in honor. That's referring to um, singing out and calling out during the day, and then "Velo I will not be silent to Hashem. That's at night. So once again, this is not as clear as the first pasuk that we had from Tehillim Chav Beis. But once again, the Gemara is using this to show that there are two times where we have to call out to Hashem and give His praise, one being at night, one being at day. But once again, the implication of this pasuk is that the first part is talking about the daytime and the next part is talking about the nighttime. And that's why we uh, we understand, and Tosos explains this as well, that the main time to read the Megillah is during the day. Why? Because both pasukim do talk about daytime first to praise and thanks Hashem. Okay. Two dots. Elash quoting the Mishnah, Akdim and where we said that Kfarim um, really, they had the villages, these small villages, they really have an obligation to read on Dalid. However, the uh, we allowed, out of a certain leniency, to the villagers to proceed their reading the day that they enter into the big cities um, in order to. Um, to as, as Rashi explained, to go because the court was t- was was in session. And we'll see now what was the main reason. So Amr Rabbi Khanina says, <laughs> it was that the sages, they were lenient towards the villagers to proceed their reading of the megillah the day that they would enter into the big cities even if it was the 11th 12th or 13th why in order that they could provide water and food to their brothers in the big cities now this is interesting you know it sounds like at first we were lenient for the villagers but now look what the Gemara implies, and I think we would imply this as well. La does this mean to say? Now we're on Daladamin base. Does this mean to say the uh, takanta, the that this was a decree or a tikkun for the for the city people? Right. It sounds like we're, at first we're being leaning for the villagers, but why we're being leaning for the villagers so that they can provide for the people of the city? So that they'll have enough water and mazon to be able to celebrate purim and they won't have to worry about preparations but the problem is but didn't we learn in a mishnah if purim falls out on a monday the villagers and or the villages and the big cities they read on that monday because that's the 14th now they're reading because you know the villagers. They they came in on that Monday. So the the thing is like this: if it's all about being able being able to provide on Purim day for the big the people the residents of the big city, Vihim Isa. If that's really what it is, then the Le'om Haknisa. Then once again, the villagers should proceed and read Le'om Haknisa, meaning on Monday. Sorry, meaning on the previous Thursday, right? Not that they should read on Monday with the big cities, but if they, have to, if they have to provide for the big cities, let them read the previous Thursday, and then they would be able to provide on that Monday when the big cities celebrate. If it was really true that it was all about providing for the, the people of the, of the big cities. So, Havuluhu Asa. So the answer is like this No, we can't do that. We couldn't suggest such a thing. Why? Because that would be Havelu asara. If they would read on that previous Thursday, that would be the 10th day of Adar. V'asara lo ta'kinu And the 10th day, we've already said the Rabbanon weren't mesake in that. We didn't allow the 10th day to be read the Megillah. We started with the 11th, 12th, or 13th, not the 10th. Okay, so it couldn't be that. We couldn't suggest that. And even in the face of not being able to provide for the people of the city, we wouldn't say and go against the Takana the Rabbanon of how early you can read. Okay, so let's try another thing. Tashima was taught in our Mishnah. Okay, let's say it falls out on a Thursday. What did we say? We said that the villagers and the big city they read on that day on Thursday. Now, if it was really true that it's all about the villagers coming in to read early so that they could provide on Purim day for the people of the big city, Vimisa, if that was really true, then once again, then in that case, they really should go and go back to what to monday to the day of the kinesa when they would have come anyways to go to court and that would be the 11th and then we're fine they're not going to go on thursday go on monday and then on thursday you could provide for the big city so the answer is no. from one day of entry to the other we're not going to push them off we're not going to say you know uh push you back to uh the um, kinesa when, they, when we know that they're coming in anyways on the thursday we're not going to say you know what uh, do everything, read on the Monday before. We're not gonna do that. Okay. So let's have a, another jab at it. Tashima was taught, I'm Rabbi Huda Rabbi Huda says Amosai, And we saw this uh this price uh in Beis, I'm in base. So he says, when exactly? When were they able to read earlier than the 14th? In places where the people from the village enter in on Monday or Thursday but in places where the villagers do not go in to enter into the big cities on Monday and Thursday, they're not allowed to read the Megillah. Uh, They can only read the Megillah in its proper time on yud right? They're not entering the cities anyway, so we're not going to give them this leniency. Now, and if I were to think that that the whole decree of allowing them to read early was really for the people of the big cities that the people of the village can then provide for them on Purim days so they don't have to worry about it. If that was really true, then, Mm -hmm. just because these villagers don't enter into the cities on Mondays and Thursdays, we're going to then lose out for the people of the cities? Right. Just because they don't enter in, we're not going to tell them, that, yeah, when Purim comes though, enter in early so that you can provide for the people of the cities, which seems to be my, our main incentive. If that really was our incentive, that it's all about providing for the people of the city. So the Gemara says, at the end of the day, lo, lo don't say that the Chachamim were lenient on the people of the villagers to read earlier because that they can provide for the water and the food for the people of the city. Ella rather say ema say like this, Mipnei she misapkim she bekrachin. say it's because they supply water and food for the people for their brothers in the cities, meaning they also get benefit from it. They come in, they're able to sell it. And if at the end of the day, it's a, so now it's really all about the villagers, I mean, it's really good for them to come and to be able to sell these things and, and supply for them. And because it's all about the villagers now and not the people of the big city, so we're able to say in all these cases that, yeah, if they don't go into the cities, then we're not going to make them go into the cities. We're not going to allow them to read earlier because it won't benefit the people of the village. Okay, so that's how we've concluded. And now really the leniency is all about for the people of the village that it's good for them. They can go in and sell bring their water and sell their mazon and they, they enter in earlier. And that's what the leniency had. It has nothing to do with the leniency so that the people of the cities can benefit more. It's just for the villagers. Okay, so now we have Ketzad, right? This is one of the cases, the next case in the Mishnah. It says, Chal v'iros korim bayom. So he said, it's like the first case that we brought, that yeah, if Purim falls out on a Monday, then the villagers and the big cities read on that day, and then, of course, the people in the walled cities read the next day. So now the Gemara asks a beautiful question. Why is it that in the Resha, it mentioned the order of days of the month? It's at 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. And then when it started getting into, in the Sefa, into all the cases, then it started talking about Monday, tuesday wednesday thursday it went in that order so what's the answer why did it change the order like that why didn't it bring us cases that would still be teaching us a case of Yud aleph the 11th twelfth, 13th so he says like this i need because since the truth is if you were to go and explain all the cases of the 11th twelfth, thirteenth, and 14th then it would be flipping everything around it would be saying right if we talked about the the case of the 11th that was the last and that was when Falls out on Sunday. It was like the last case, and everything would be flipped around, and you would have to explain. Um, you would have to first go to do test uh, test um, your dalid. Yud Gimel, Yud Bet, Yud Aleph. You would have to flip it around like that. So, because of that, then we just said, you know what, we're going to do the order of the days of the week. So, it will be easier for us to remember what it's all about. Because the whole idea of Mishnah is to help us remember, have an easier system of remembering it by heart. And that's why it started off with the order of Yud Aleph, Yud Bet, Yud Gimel. And then to make it easier for us, the second way, of giving us all the cases, it starts with earlier in the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. Okay, we're up to the two dots. We'll stop here. Yashir Koach.